This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefera Jemian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we are talking all about citrus fruits. But before we dig in, we want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Happy December, everybody. No. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Unprepared. Unprepared. Well, the good news is uh, you are not unprepared for today's episode, hopefully. That's so true, Tom. I'm so prepared. I have prepared extensively for this episode. Good, because I just finished writing two 2,000-word papers in the course of the last 24 hours, so you better be the one who's prepared, because well, I'm not. I, I edited two podcast episodes and, 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 and ran their transcriptions uh, this morning, so we're in a similar place. But we're talking about, I just, how many times can I say this on this show, folks? We're talking about one of my favorite things today, Yay. and we're talking about oranges. Now, Tom, do you want to explain the significance of why we are talking about oranges on this day. Yeah. So why is this day <laughs> not what, like any other day? What is this day and why is this day? Uh, this day, the day that this episode comes out, but maybe not the day you're listening to it, but you know, time is what it is. Uh, this episode is coming out on December 6th, which uh, in the, I guess, Catholic, like European Catholic calendar is St. Nicholas Day. Uh, now, St. Nicholas, you might know as uh, jolly old St. Nick or Sandy Claus, uh, depending on who you ask. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. But uh, St. Nicholas Day uh, actually has very little to do with Santa Claus and has more to do with, uh, I don't know, gift giving, I guess. Maybe it has a little to do with Santa Claus. So obviously, uh, it is a few weeks before Christmas, uh, but that doesn't stop St. Nicholas from coming into people's houses and taking things from their boots. Teffer, giving me a, a real confused look. Pretty sure St. Nicholas put things in their boots. Oh, that's right. Duh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's where Santa Claus comes to your house a couple weeks early and gives you a gift. 
and then uh, <laughs> comes back a couple weeks later and gives you another gift. This guy's generous. I, I guess. mean, I suppose if you keep oranges in your boots habitually, Santa Claus might take or St. Nicholas might take the oranges out of your boots. Maybe. But maybe if you don't have any oranges on your boots, he's like, why don't you keep oranges in your boots? Right. It's and less. He puts them there. It's less about gift giving and more about resource distribution. Yeah. Now, I did yeah. read. I did read that um, orange peels are a natural deodorizer. <laughs> so maybe St. <laughs> Nicholas is trying to send you a message. It's possible. Mm-hmm. All I know is that growing up a wee Hungarian child, uh, St. Nicholas Day was something that we did in my household. Uh as a kid. And uh, every December 6th, I would wake up in the morning and find my winter boots full of little clementine oranges and chocolates of various kinds. And uh, I think one year a scratch ticket. I don't know. (laughs) And so when I was looking at the calendar and figuring out what our content schedule should be for December, I saw that Monday would be St. Nicholas Day. And I thought, oh, we can do an episode on oranges. But then you, you know, very astutely pointed out that it is kind of hard to just talk about oranges. So we're doing citrus fruits in general. Now, I think it's fun that you brought up that you were a wee Hungarian child and received oranges in your boots. Because as a wee non-Hungarian child, Mm -hmm. um, we read a book called The Good Master when I was a kid, which is set in Hungary. Uh, yeah, I saw your double take. Just mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. just keep going. Just roll with it. That is about Hungarian children living traditionally kind of on a, I think the dad is a shepherd. Somebody's a shepherd. Anyway, sure. They're really, they're really cute books. The author is in fact Hungarian, so I think they're fairly accurate. Um, the illustrations are, are really cute. And I got just obsessed with Hungary for a little while uh, because of it and the clothes and everything. So um, the added excitement was that our father's birthday was December 6th. Mm -hmm. So we were like, what? It's a thing and it's dad's birthday. And so we started doing that for a little while just kind of for fun. Sure. Uh, But unlike, like... Christmas had a lot of ceremony in our household and like our parents would pretend things were from Santa Claus but with this it was really just like yeah my dad came in and put an orange in your shoe sure yeah. um but uh but yeah it's it's a nice tradition now do you want to hear a little bit about why you put oranges in your shoes on St. Nicholas Day do you know this I don't know this it's because it, you have stinky you know? <laughs> <laughs> how dare you yeah no this was never explained to me as a child it was just a thing that we did So, like, my grandpa grew up, like, nominally Catholic, uh, as I think probably a lot of Europeans in in the, like, you know, late 40s, early 50s or whatever. Uh, And so he brought this tradition to us. But really, the only things about my grandpa that are Catholic are, you know, he likes to put oranges in people's boots on December 6th. He doesn't eat meat on Fridays. And he uh, knows how to guilt trip people. So... Uh, it is a Catholic tradition. In now, I'm this isn't something I looked up, but in my experience, like my father was also raised Catholic, but Italian mm-hmm. Catholic. I think it is more a Central European Catholic thing. Sure. I wonder if it is maybe aligned with Eastern Orthodox more strongly, mm. because I believe there's slightly more influence on the Catholicism of of Central Europe. That's possible from the Eastern Orthodox Church. However, Saint Nicholas was born in what is present-day Turkey, so in the Anatolian region, which is incidentally mm-hmm. also where my roots are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're a direct descendant, right? I am not a direct descendant of St. Nicholas. Okay. As far as I know, who knows? There was genocide. I don't know anything about that side of my family <laughs> because of all the murdering. Um, 
he inherited a large sum of money but devoted his life to helping others and eventually became a bishop. According to the story, St. Nicholas learned of a poor man who was not able to find suitors for his three daughters because they were lesbian. No, because uh, he didn't have money for a dowry. Because if you're poor, you can't get married because there's not really any point in getting married if you don't get money out of it. Sure, yeah. Um, St. Nicholas traveled to the house and tossed three sacks of gold down the chimney for each of the dowries. The gold happened to land in their stockings, which were hanging by the fire to dry. But Teffer, those are sacks of gold. Well, oranges are kind of golden, and they're kind of little sacks sure. of nice, juicy orange. All right. <laughs> so the oranges represent the three sacks of gold, hmm. theoretically. I just want to say I find that really interesting because... A lot of, okay, maybe not a lot of Hungarian tradition in general, but certainly the majority of the Hungarian tradition that my grandpa practices and, like, maintains in any way, shape, or form is about, like, gold and, like, um, fortune and wealth and, like, you know, having riches going into the new year or going into a given time of year, so... Is this because your grandfather is a goldsmith by any chance? Uh, I think it's partly because my grandfather is a goldsmith. I think it's also partly because my great-grandfather was murdered when he was 10, so he probably grew up poor and has some, you know, issues around that. Ah, good point. Yeah. Today, we're talking about citrus fruits and family murder. Yeah. Anyway, there's another side to this whole oranges and shoes thing. Mm -hmm. So... There's also a tradition of putting oranges in Christmas stockings, like on actual Christmas, not sure. on St. Nicholas Day. I grew up getting a clementine in the toe of oh, your yeah. stocking. That's Every a thing. Every year, yeah. Um, and that is linked usually to the 20s and the Depression, but I think it's one of these things. You know, traditions are layered on traditions. Mm. Maybe took a resurgence when a lot of treats were not available. Oranges were quite rare, so you would get an orange as a treat on Christmas. And I have talked to people, like, from from those generations of, mm. like, oh, yeah, you just didn't, because of shipping, like, we didn't have the kind of unsustainable global shipping system that we have today. Right. So oranges were really treats. And that's something that goes back to the longstanding history of oranges, but maybe mm. took widespread popularity in North America during the Depression. Right. Now, speaking of <clears throat> the historical roots of oranges, would mm. you like to hear a little bit about the pedigree of the orange tree? I would absolutely like to hear a bit about the pedigree of the orange tree. So oranges are considered to be uh, indigenous to Asia, especially the Malay Peninsula, but they've been circulating for a very long time. Mm -hmm. They are a delicious treat. And unlike many of the delicious treats that grow on the Malay Peninsula, they come uh, packaged for easy transportation. <laughs> um, so because of this, they've been transported along trade routes for a long, long time. Oranges were already in Europe long before North American colonization. And they also grow very well in pretty much every Mediterranean climate. Mm -hmm. So they have taken off. They took off in Spain and Italy. Sweet oranges, eating oranges that we know and love, are a hybrid of tangerines and pomelos. Okay. Now, interestingly, I think we all know tangerines. Mm -hmm. I love tangerines. Who doesn't? Um, pomelos are more recently kind of gaining popularity. I feel like people are starting to know about them now. Sure. I just had one recently, actually, and now I can't remember where. Uh, oh, it was in Toronto when we were visiting my it brother. Was. That's right, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was kind like, of underwhelming. They're like a grapefruit the size of a volleyball um, with two-inch thick rind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they taste kind of like a mild grapefruit. I like mm -hmm. them because like, unlike uh, regular grapefruits, they do not make my throat swell up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But I love citrus fruits. I mean, I love them so much that I eat them even though I am mildly allergic to them. Yeah. I found the pomelo <laughs> interesting because we like, like, I can't eat grapefruit and shouldn't eat pomelo right. just because of my medication. But I tried it because I was like, well, it's, I haven't ever had a chance. I've never seen one of these in real life before. I got to yeah. taste it. Um, I think it's not bad if you like, if you like the LaCroix version of a grapefruit and you also like to eat grapefruit in a way that reminds you of eating artichokes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I find it sweeter than a grape than a traditional grapefruit. It's not sure. as tart. Um, it's sort of yeah. The 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 Lacroix version is good. Is it Lacroix? I don't know how to say that. I've only ever seen that on the internet. Sure. I don't. I don't. I'm not. Anyway, I mean, look, we both speak French. We know it's Lacroix. 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 Um, one of my favorite memories is when we moved to New England when I was a kid, and my father, who was born in France, just could not cope with how many place names are spelled in French and pronounced in English. Sure. So like there's Montpelier, Vermont. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Is Montpelier? Of course. I don't care if everybody there says Montpelier. No. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> anyway, oranges are great and they spread to uh, especially took off in Italy and Spain. Mm-hmm. They grow really nicely. Fun fact about them, when they grow in more tropical climates, they do not turn orange. They in fact stay green. Interesting. They conserve their chlorophyll. So, let's uh, do you know about the like etymology, I guess, of oranges? Do we know how that name came about? Like which came first, the color or the fruit? Tom, I'm so glad you asked. You know I looked up the etymology. Of you course. think I would come to an episode without looking up etymology? The name of the fruit is much, much older than the name of the color. The earliest recorded use of orange, the fruit, in English is from the 1300s. Mm. It came from the old French orange, adapted from the Arabic, I don't know how to pronounce Arabic, but uh, naran? I'm going to guess. It has the little flat thing over the A. How do you pronounce that? No idea. From the Persian narang, from the Sanskrit naranga, or orange tree. Hmm. That's interesting, because the Spanish for orange is still naranja. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't speak Sanskrit, and if I just just completely ruined that pronunciation, I apologize. The Sanskrit word's origin is unclear, but they believe it may come from a word that means fragrant. Which, okay. if you have ever been anywhere near an orange tree, <laughs> you understand why. Yeah. The word's use as a name for a color doesn't crop up for another 200 years, probably oh. in the early 1500s. English speakers probably just didn't have a specific name for the color sure. until the fruit was widely available. And then it's so orange, right? right. Like, it's nothing else is, oh, well, I guess carrots. But carrots weren't orange yet at that point, I don't sure. think. Well, and carrots so, come in so many different colors. Exactly. Like, you know, whatever. Before then, linguists believe people generally referred to orange as yellow-red or uh, gay-old-red in Old English. Sure. Gay-old-red? Gay-old-red. <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was a, a fun little fact. Yeah, that is interesting. I um I want to come back to the orange in the stocking as a gift for uh, children of poor families who couldn't afford citrus fruit the rest of the year. Uh, I find that really interesting because um, among the Greeks and Italians, St. Nicholas is like... Uh, I don't know that he's the patron saint of, like, sailors and ships and boats and whatnot, but he is certainly connected. Uh, and I think there's something really interesting about, like the patron saint of boats. I might be getting this wrong. Maybe he's not the patron saint. But I think there's something interesting about a saint who is connected to boats, uh, you know, which would be the way that people in Europe would get 
citrus fruit is over a boat from somewhere south of there. Uh, I, I think there's something interesting about him being connected to a holiday where children get oranges as a treat because because that is kind of a treat thing right like you're not always going to have those shipments coming in i don't think saint nicholas is the patron saint of boats no eh? no it's it's saint agitor yeah so (laughs) i just know that he is a favorite of sailors fishermen ships and sailing he's the patron saint of several cities that have harbors maybe he's the patron saint of harbor towns well i mean which actually also you know makes sense with like shipping and receiving of exported goods now um he was the child of a merchant. That's where his big his big inheritance came from. His father was a wealthy merchant. So uh-huh. him being associated with trade routes makes sense. And this is actually also something that came up in my research, mm-hmm. that perhaps his association with oranges is not just about gold, but also about um, the fact that he was the child of a merchant. Right. Uh, he was from the maritime city of Myra in Asia Minor. But oh, he is the patron patron saint of sailors. Okay, mm-hmm, so I don't know why Google gave me something else. He is the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, prostitutes, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, unmarried people, and students in various cities and countries around Europe. He's also the patron saint of the Duchy of Lorraine, which I'm guessing is where Quiche Lorraine comes from. So. It is. You know, put an orange in there next you know, time. Like Coward. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not really a, a like Christian anymore. Um, Same. But I'm, 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 I'm. I like Saint Nicholas. I like he's a pretty cool dude. He mm-hmm. just gives people presents. Um, one time he chopped down a tree possessed by a demon. So like that's cool. I don't know. And all the pictures of him, he just looks pretty nice. So yeah, you know, I think he's okay. I think he's an okay dude. He seems all right. But we're really here to talk about oranges. Oh, and his saint's day is when he died. He died on December 6th. Do you want to guess when he was born? Um. Oh, is this motherfucker a Pisces? <laughs> <laughs> he was, in fact, born on March 15th. Ah, just like my grandpa. Yep. <laughs> hey, that's fun. Wait, hold up. <laughs> what? Your grandfather is associated with gold, likes to put oranges in people's shoes, Mm -hmm. and was born the same day as St. Nicholas. Do we believe in St. Reincarnation? Now we do. (laughs) (laughs) I'd believe it. I'd believe your grandpa is Santa Claus. There are are far less Santa Claus-ly men in the world than my grandfather. I've never seen him with a long enough beard for that, because he's always been one of those guys who shaves every day. But uh, but that's because he doesn't want to be recognized on the street. You're probably right. You're probably right. Um. So Tom. So Tefer. What is your favorite citrus fruit and or mm-hmm. means of consuming citrus? Yeah, this is an interesting question that I was thinking about. Obviously, uh, in prep for this one, I think my favorite citrus fruit might just be the lemon. It feels like a very. You just made such a stank <laughs> face at me for saying that. Wow. Be basic. I might be basic. I I think there's something for me in foods that taste good but also have multi-purpose things going on. Like I, I talk about this a lot, right? How I really like foods where you can like do a shitload of different things with them. And lemons, uh, you know, one, good in food. Highly versatile. Good for cleaning good for health. And I think that there's something really great about that. I, I think that I can really, really vibe with lemons for all of the things that they are beautiful for. And I think especially a lot of cultures around the world use lemon 
in like marinades and things and that i also really really like i like a fruit that can go in a marinade mm-hmm, absolutely how do you feel about preserved lemons like a Meyer lemon kind of thing? No, like the preserved lemons you use in like, uh, it's used a lot in Middle Eastern cooking. Do you not know these? I might not know these. Oh, you got to know about these. You get them in like Moroccan tagine a lot. And it, it they're they're preserved in a way that really brings out the, the bitter and tart notes. Okay. And a lot of the time when we get lemon, we get it sweetened up, which is also delicious. I mean... One of my favorite cakes to bake is a lemon chiffon cake. Uh, I really, really love sweet lemon flavor. Um, lemon meringue pie. I know we're divided on that one. but uh, I just don't like meringue. Yeah. You give me a lemon pie with no meringue, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a happy person. All right. How come you never eat lemon curd when I make it then? I mean, I'm not just going to just straight up eat lemon curd. Why not? <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, I do love lemon curd. I make lemon curd often, especially once the winter gets really gray. I tend to go, like when citrus starts to appear in large sacks at the grocery store, I start to just go on a lemon curd tear. You look far too knowing about this, but I do. I just make lemon curd and I do genuinely just eat it by the spoonful. Well, I think that makes sense. Like it, it is a thing that's kind of summery and yeah. you want it when it gets cold and gross outside it's like sunshine well actually that brings me to one of my favorite things about citrus that Mm -hmm. i like very much citrus is a fruit that comes into season in the winter time Mm -hmm. so if you are somewhere that grows citrus it ripens in like what i would say is early spring probably in california um but you start getting ripe citrus in january that's when it starts rolling and i think the earliest ones we get here are from south africa and I've talked before about eating seasonally because this is something I talk about a lot. It's something that's important to me. Um, I talked about it on the apples episode. So I guess this is something I talk about when we talk about food, fruit. But because citrus travels well and because you pick it when it's ripe, like a lot of the fruit that we get gets picked unripe and then shipped here. But oranges Mm -hmm. don't ripen if you pick them unripe. So you do actually get them like peak ripeness. Uh, There's just something so nice when everything is gray and miserable and the seasonal depression is really kicking your butt um to go to the grocery store and get all these beautiful fresh ripe fruit that is like in its cheerful little peel like they're so pretty that we haven't talked about that yet but they're so pretty citrus fruits are just adorable and like they have so many layers of pretty because they have this beautiful rind that's like shiny and glossy and like feels nice when you dig into it and smells nice when you break it because it's all full of oils Mm -hmm. you can use the rind in things like that's really cool and then inside you have this like pretty glowy translucent fruit that looks like a jewel like eating citrus fruits as a as as a kid it was like a it was like a ritual for me yeah like you you peel it and you try to peel it all in one spiral you don't want to break it up you want to like make sure so you peel it really slowly and carefully and then you break it apart and what i would do what i still do (laughs) sometimes if nobody's watching is actually peel the membrane off as well off of each section and i eat the membrane i don't waste it but then you get that just nice little plump juicy segments sure you can just break it down and break it down and break it down and eat it yeah that's what i love about citrus fruit is is how far down it goes right (laughs) because like i don't know what you call those but when you have taken apart okay outer layer peel peel. then there's some membrane yeah 
then you've got the segments. Yeah. Peel those apart. Then you've got the like uh, skin around each like seed pod or whatever. You peel that part off. Then you've got all the little juice boys in the middle, right? Yes. I don't know what to call those little juice boys, but I love them. I love that they are teardrop shaped so that you can pull one out and put it on your tongue. And it's a little drink. That is how I like to eat citrus fruits. Yeah. I don't know what they are actually called, but I have realized through this conversation that what I call them in my head are fishes. Fishes? Yes. All right. You're going to have to explain that one to me. They look like little goldfish. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. They might be droops. I don't know if they're droops. Droops. Droops are like the little um, guys on a blackberry. Oh. Juice sack (laughs) is what I've just discovered. So... We can call them droops if we want. Well, I mean, no, we can't because it's incorrect. But yes, I like to, especially with a grapefruit, mm. I like to break it all the way down to the little juice boys and, and just eat those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right that like the ritual of that is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. In a way that I think no other kind of fruit has, there is, uh, probably just because of this ritual, um, it feels important when you eat one. It feels special and it feels like, I mean, it's just another one of those things where you have to do a little bit of work to eat it, but it's worth it. It does. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we are in Clementine season now. Mm-hmm. and Clementine, uh, if you will. Clementine. It's Clementine, baby. <clears throat> I feel, you're right. It feels special. Every time you eat one, it feels special. And I am an adult now. I can eat citrus fruits whenever I want. I can eat as many as my uh, wallet and bowels allow. Humble brag. But, um, well, I just mean like when you're a kid, you have to eat them when your parents give them to you, right? And we are now in the season where we just always have a box of clementines on the table in the kitchen or else Toby uh, weeps on the kitchen floor for for hours. As happened last night when we ran out of clementines. (laughs) But, like, for me, Clementine season is, like, I know for some people, like, you start the Christmas music after Thanksgiving. For me, it's, like, you bring home the first box of Clementines and it's on, baby. <laughs> like, that is that is holiday season. Yeah. Holiday season means there is a box of Clementines in the kitchen at all times. And there is a box of Clementines in the kitchen right now. Yeah. And I ate one right before we recorded. <laughs> and my hands still smell like it. That is like the 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 citrus hand smell that you get. Yeah. There's no other food that makes your hand smell after you eat it that is good to smell after you okay, eat it. Okay, because I was going to say garlic, sure. <laughs> no, well, that's it. Like, like garlic makes your hand smell, yeah. onions, all alliums. Like, every food makes your hand smell like it after yeah. you've, like, manipulated it enough. But the only one where it's, like, a pleasant surprise when you, like, scratch your nose, like, an hour later and you're like, oh, it still smells yeah. like that, is citrus fruit. And vanilla beans. Sure, but You're, what normal person processes vanilla beans? I mean, yeah, I was going to say this. You are not a baker, so yeah. I'm going to give this one to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to hop over to the mid-roll, and we're going to talk a little bit more about family traditions around citrus. Ooh, daddy, Go, it's baby. the mid-roll. Hey, St. Nicholas, what do you got to say? Ho, 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 I'm your grandfather. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. Thanks, Grandpa. I'll take it from here. Bye. Don't forget to call for once. 
For every new rating and review we get during the month of December, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need, so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating review of our show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There is literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, get your ass over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. You can learn all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Uh, it is the season for giving, so please do that. I think yeah. we have not had the opportunity to follow up on that too many times, and it would be really nice to be able to give more directly yeah. from this. Indeed. <clears throat> Indeed. Now that the show has been heavily focused on food for a while, uh, we went back and noticed that most of our existing Apple podcast reviews are real outdated mm-hmm. because this uh, feed used to be a very different show. It did. So the reviews still talk about the show as if it's a comedy podcast, as if there are like a number of people on it. There's no mention of food whatsoever. <laughs> There's no mention of me whatsoever, which guys, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with what you? What the fuck? Why aren't you mentioning me? As much as you possibly can. <laughs> mention Tefra so, more than you mention me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. You Balance got, it out. You got like five years of reviews. However, speaking of that, a lot of those reviews also misgender Tom because, yeah. uh, because of coming out more recently or because of people fucking up. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Simon. <laughs> We shouldn't be mean to Simon as often as we are on I this. I love show. Simon. Anyway, uh, please make sure that you don't misgender us in your reviews we both use they them pronouns if you've left a review in the past that was incorrect either because it talks about the show as though it is a comedy podcast with an ensemble (laughs) cast uh (laughs) whether because it calls it um up for discussion which it is not called anymore or because reading the review you would go i thought this was a food podcast um or just because of plain old misgendering please go and redo that and we will Mm -hmm. still donate money for those reviews as well you can just say, I love this show. Yeah. You can just say, I listened to this on my drive and it made me happy. Yeah. You can say, every opinion Tefra has is wrong. As long as you mention me, I don't care. Yeah. As long as the review also gives us five stars. Yeah. I will also <clears throat> add, like, if you say something that we think is worth sharing on the show, we might read it. It's true. We really, we might. Is that what you, is that what you need from us? Is that, do you need publicity from us? Because we'll read your review if it's good. Yeah. Maybe write a good review before you ask us to read it. Huh? 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 What? Oh, hey, we got a new re- oh. review yesterday. Oh, cool. Apparently. Is it from- Here, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read this new review that came in yesterday that I just noticed now. It's from Isabel Friedman, who says, Hi, uh, Isabel. Joyful and shamelessly geeky food podcast. I love this pod's approach to talking about food. There's so much joy in the discussion, so much geeking out, and never any shame in it. The hosts meander sometimes, but it's welcomed because the discussions are purposely fluid. From apples to pumpkins to Jewish cuisine, I've been entertained by every episode I've listened to. They've all made me laugh, and they've all taught me something new. Tom and Teffer are so much fun to listen to together, and I can't wait to see what they talk about next. Hey, Isabel, you fucking rule. You do. Thank you. You mentioned me. (laughs) You got mentioned. That is so nice. Joyful joyful and shamelessly geeky is like, you can put that on my gravestone. <laughs> um, thank you, Isabel. It's so nice to hear from you. And we're so glad you're enjoying it. The, the last thing here in the mid-roll, the, the ye olde mid-roll, is that if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where I talked with our food crimes correspondent, Giovanni Colantonio, about Big Meatball, uh, go cue that up and listen to it after you finish with this one. We get into uh, spaghetti and meatballs and uh, the Sopranos cookbook and uh, the Subway meatball sub. 
Uh, It's a real good episode. We dig a little bit into the history of meatballs as well. You will not be disappointed unless you hate meat. You might you might not like the episode if you hate meat because we do mostly just exclusively talk about meat. But you know what? Here's a little like addendum, I guess, a week later. Uh, You can make a meatless meatball. Meatless balls that taste the same if you close your eyes. All right, that's enough from the mid-roll. Let's get back to the show. All right, so let's talk about nostalgia. Like, we just started talking a little bit about how citrus is significant. Citrus is delicious, and we could talk a whole bunch, I think, about using it in cooking, about savory and sweet applications. But I feel like this is a holiday episode, and holiday traditions around citrus are really just steeped in memory Mm -hmm. i think for a lot of people uh they bring up christmas or yule or whatever winter holiday you celebrate i talked a little bit about our tradition of having clementines at the holidays that's something that comes from my childhood so in my family we have a very specific christmas eve tradition like christmas day was always like pretty normal you know stockings Mm -hmm. presents eat a lot of food um christmas eve we make clam chowder I think because my mother's family would have oyster stew on Christmas Eve. (laughs) And clam chowder is just the East Coast version of oyster stew. I mean, no, we were just living in small town Ontario. You ever tried to get an oyster in small town Ontario? I can't say I have. So we would make clam chowder with canned clams. And that just became a tradition. Like we we made um, Manhattan and New England style clam chowder. So my parents have this real animosity towards milk. And then after dinner, we would go and read a bunch of stuff and eat chocolate truffles and clementines. Poems, stories, we'd read A Child's Christmas in Wales, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, a bunch of A.A. Milne poems. Then at some point, my mom decided that we weren't talking about Jesus enough, so we started reading some John Donne, which is okay because, you know, John Donne is fun to read, and we'd read La Corona, which is a fun poem, and now you know a lot about the kind of family I grew up in. But clementines and chocolate truffles I still keep, and we would have nuts with a nutcracker, so like nuts in the shell, which is the one thing we haven't started yet because most nuts in the shell are just not worth cracking yeah well and especially like i feel like we we live somewhere we live in a neighborhood that has a pretty good store for like shelled nuts if we want nuts in a shell you know like we yeah. can just go to akavan and get like shelled nuts instead i mean we could also go to akavan and get unshelled nuts and then shell them ourselves yeah it just well nut crackers feels... are just fun for children because um if you ever just want to like pinch your finger in something and bruise it so mm-hmm. that you have an aching finger all through christmas nutcrackers are your guy yeah um so that's very nice but the other citrus uh memory that i have i've always loved oranges and my pepe who i think i have talked about before my little five foot tall armenian italian big-hearted cooking pepe had a little orchard nice in california when i was very little they lived in a house that had um like orange tree figs trees like he had a whole orchard that he maintained they moved out there to retire i Mm. think but he established this beautiful mature orchard but when i was maybe i don't know nine or ten they moved into a house that was like a little more manageable for them because they were getting old but they still had an orange tree big old orange tree in the back and we would go visit on spring break, and uh, that was usually March or April. Hmm. So we'd go from Boston, March, which was kind of cold and slushy and gray, sure. to California in right. March, which is like, man, if you can go to California in March, do. If you can go to California any time of year. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, um, I love living where we live, but like, I, I don't love wh- living where we live. 
you know? I would love if Montreal had California's climate. Yeah. 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 But like I would get, we would get off at the airport and like everything smelled like flowers. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, oh. And I would go and spend my spring break lying under my grandfather's orange tree, which again, like if you can get near to an orange tree anytime, they smell amazing year round. They smell incredible. Um, I would like to grow one and have one in our house just so we can smell an orange tree all the time. Yeah. Um, And then when it's in bloom, of course, there's orange blossom water, which we haven't talked about, but which is very, very um, used quite a lot in Middle Eastern cuisine. Mm -hmm. So... If any of our listeners are Middle Eastern, you'll know about this. But like you open someone's pantry and you see rose water and orange <laughs> blossom water. You're like, oh, yeah, you're one of us. Right. But it smells like that. Yeah. And and I would just lie there eating oranges, eating just a wealth of oranges and reading books. We have a picture of me somewhere about 14 doing this. Love it. Uh, it was just heaven. That is like if I could spend my life lying under an orange tree, reading books and eating oranges, <laughs> I would be so happy. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think that there's something there's something cozy about citrus fruit. And like we've alluded to this already that it's like something that you want in the winter, right? Like it, it gives you that. I bet it's also summery. Like it's really something you want year round, but I think in the winter it hits real nice. Um, and for me, that comfort kind of comes in the form of tea a lot of the time. Mm. I don't drink tea most of the year, right? Like I am a coffee person and I'm a water person and I will occasionally have an iced tea if I'm getting a soft drink from somewhere because it's included. But basically, I just drink coffee and water. Um, But my one exception to that is a good tea that is like lemon and ginger or recently ginger peach, but that's just because I, you know, I'm on a bit of a ginger peach kick. But like, usually I go for like a lemon and ginger. And I, I think that there is something, there's something warming about lemons, especially. Uh, but but I think about all citrus fruit really, but like especially lemons, where they just they just make you feel nice inside, you know. And I need more of that in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's also the aspect of that that we haven't talked about at all, which is vitamin C and yeah. citrus's <laughs> proud history of preventing scurvy. It's true. Um, <laughs> And I think one of the reasons, honestly, that we crave citrus in the winter, part of it is, most of it probably is conditioning because we're just used to having it then and we associate it with that. But I know for me, some of it is that like a lot of the things that I like to eat for my vitamins are not really good in the winter. Sure. But citrus sure is. Mm -hmm. And when I feel the need to just plow through a bunch of vitamin C, it's very pleasant to have a lemon ginger tea or eat uh fruit yeah yeah Yeah. it's definitely it's so much nicer to eat say a thousand milligrams of vitamin c in the form of clementines than in the form of yucky powder in a cup Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i have to agree with you there i want to hit on one more family thing that i think will actually segue nicely i'd like to talk a little bit about like preparations of citrus because we've talked a lot about eating raw citrus which Mm -hmm. in my opinion is the the like nicest way bite into a whole lemon absolutely peel and all just (laughs) give me the bitter i mean toby kind of agrees with that toby has been just eating lemons since he was very small we tried to do the give a baby a lemon thing and he was just like the shit is delicious yeah i mean he did he did kind of make a face but then he was like into it Yeah. yeah yeah more 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 because I mentioned orange blossom water, and that reminded me of one more family thing sure. that's very special, which is uh, my grandfather was a boulanger, a bread baker. So there's boulanger pâtisserie. Mm-hmm. Um, pâtisserie is like the fancy French uh, pastries, and boulanger is like breads. Mm-hmm. 
So and then there's Viennoiserie, that's the pastries that they stole from the Austrians. That's like, yeah, but like, that's not really French. That's, no, it's like croissants and stuff. They, they, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. well, you know what? <laughs> we can fight over Europe some other time. God knows people have been doing it for centuries. But around Christmas, again, my grandfather would make Pompe de Noël. Mm-hmm. which um, I tried to make last year. So this is one of these things that has been lost in my family because my Pipi was extremely talented as a baker, but he did not have recipes. He did not write down recipes. Mm-hmm. And when he taught you how to bake something, so he had these, he was this little man with enormous hands and he would bake mixing it with his right hand and just throwing the ingredients in with his left. He never used a bowl. He did it just like on the counter or on a board and would make a well and would just he would just work the dough so constantly that he didn't need a bowl. Um, and so you'd be watching him work and asking him, what do you do? And he'd say, oh, you take your eggs, throw an egg in. You take your flour, throw the flour in. He didn't measure anything. Right. Everything was just throwing it in, throwing it in, throwing it in. So at some point, my, either my aunt or one of my cousins tried to take down some of his recipes, but none of them work. <laughs> we can't make his recipes work. He knew he knew how to make them, and he did not know how to communicate how to make them. I'm sure if somebody like, and I was gonna say actually, I'm sure if somebody had baked next to him for years, but I think my cousins did. Right. He just there was just. Something that was not transferable. <laughs> sure. We have tried to make his pump de Noël, and it never works for anybody. Last year, I finally tried just a different recipe altogether, mm-hmm. and it didn't rise and turned into kind of a cracker. Um, oh, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like a fugace in texture, if you know a fugace. That's but our it's, word. I feel like people know about fugace because of... Um, uh, Great British Bake Off. I wonder if they've ever done Pompe de Noël. That would be interesting. Because it is. It's a Provençal traditional dish. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm probably going to try it again this year. And uh, we'll see if I can make it rise. But yeah. that's done with orange rind and orange blossom water. So some other nice ways to use citrus. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite, like, citrus thing that's not like tea or just eating an orange sure, but yeah. like prepared like, citrus thing my favorite application yeah that's good <laughs> yeah i i was thinking about this and my brain immediately went to again lemons uh, i i really i think my my favorite citrus is lemon maybe limes lemon and lime like it's lemon most days and it's lime on occasion you know and it's always lime on days when i don't have limes where my brain goes straight to is when uh when i make my like greek style pork and potatoes thing that i do sometimes uh-huh, you know uh-huh. like uh take a greek <laughs> take a pork tenderloin take a, greek take a greek guy just shove him in the oven and squirt a lemon in his eyes yeah so i do this greek pork tenderloin and potatoes thing where i'll get a tenderloin i will you know marinate it with like olive oil and lemon and oregano and whatnot and i will you know cook that and then i'll also roast potatoes on the side uh usually also honestly just olive oil lemon and oregano kind of my 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 trio for that um and i think that there is something to the way that the lemon hits the potatoes that is really really nice for me like i really love like an almost sour potato which sounds disgusting if you think about it as the potato itself being sour but you know what i mean like when the lemon hits the it needs the salt 
Yeah. The salt is what makes it. The I remember the first time that I had lemon potatoes, actually. Mm-hmm. We went over to some people's house, and they were, like, rich people, and they had a beautiful house, and they served, like, a beautiful roast dinner mm-hmm. that had potatoes with butter and lemon. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a it. thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, I think, you know, I said it before, like, lemon is really nice in marinades for meat, but I think I... I think when it the way that it plays with potato specifically is like nothing else to me. Like there is nothing better than potato where you can taste lemon a little bit when you're eating it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. good. It's yeah. good. Well, you took that in a very savory application and I'm going to take it in a sweet application sure. now. The thing that I've been kind of like currently salivating over and going to make pretty soon is um, I think it was originally a Nigella Lawson recipe, but I got it by way of Smitten Kitchen. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I got to shout it out at least once per episode. It's a clementine cake with whole, you make with whole clementines. You boil mm. them. You mush them up. Um, you combine them with uh, almond meal and eggs. Mm. And it's a naturally gluten-free recipe. It's based on the Italian, like, orange and, and almond cake. And I got introduced to it basically because it is naturally gluten and dairy-free. Right. And in my family... Finding something that is gluten and dairy free is kind of jackpot. Right. My sister can't eat it because she can't do almonds, but like she's one person. Sure. <laughs> um, but it's just delicious because something about cooking the clementines whole, they're not too bitter mm-hmm. because they have those little thin uh, skins that have like a high proportion of the like oil yeah. to, to the pith. And um, I mean, you, you, you boil them and then you strain them, you get the seeds out and then you sure. mush them up. But it just has such a clean clementine flavor for mm. a baked thing. Sure. Like usually when you have a baked orange or other citrus thing, it's a little different. It tastes more like the zest mm-hmm. uh, or like it tastes a little marmalade which I love marmalade as well. I know that's sometimes a controversial opinion, <laughs> but I love marmalade sure. like with the big old chunks of rind in it. Mm. On like a crusty piece of bread with butter. Mm. Paddington and I, we agree. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm going to make it soon and I'm probably going to keep making it. I love to just have it around. I like to have a piece for breakfast. Honestly, I feel like I said this with pumpkin pie too. I like to bake things in order to have a piece of them for breakfast. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah. I think there's something there's something nice about having a baked thing for breakfast. Yeah. I say as a person who basically just eats cheese toast every morning. Yeah, I, I the first thing I do every morning, you know me, I'm a creature of habit. Oh, I shower yes. and then I go to the kitchen and have coffee and cheese toast. God, I miss sleeping through breakfast. I know. Remember when there was a time when we didn't both have to get up stupid early every morning? God. Well, on that note, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts on citrus before we wrap this bad boy up and shove it in a boot? No, I'm really just eager to go eat another clementine. So let's wrap, let's wrap this baby sure, up. That works for me. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod, at Tomzalatni, and at TefferBear. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can give us a little St. Nicholas Day gift by going to patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. You can also just throw a sack of gold down our chimney if you're so inclined, but make sure it's ours and not our neighbors. I think our chimney, I think, I mean, our fireplace is condemned, right? I don't think it would yeah. get down into our house. It would just get stuck in the fireplace. Some, I in the don't chimney. think as much cold air would come down our chimney if it were blocked up properly. That's fair. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. Um, and also, we might sneak into your house and leave fruit in your shoes. It's true. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com <laughs> slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Tee Public. You can also, of course, support us for free by leaving an orange in our boots or by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, And, you know, if you don't feel like doing any of that, you should share this episode with a friend. You can share it by going to any of our social media pages, that is Twitter or Instagram, because who fucking uses Facebook anymore? Let's be real. Nobody. Nobody in the universe uses Facebook. You can go to our meta page (laughs) and share it. Uh, share the episode share our post about the episode it's as simple as a retweet or a story post and it goes a long way toward getting the word out that our show exists and your friends will probably also like it speaking of sharing things uh that we like about our friends i've got some friends who made art and music for us their names are zach ingles and david flam but in the opposite order zach did the theme music david did the cover art it's not complicated you can figure it out you can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode and i would highly recommend it because they're both wicked talented and last but not least this show was produced by tom zalatni and heifer Ejemian and edited by tom zalatni as part of the upford network You can find out about all the great shows on our network. And who boy, are there great shows on our network? I host one of them. Actually, if you want to hear me talk even more, you can check those out at upfordnetwork.com. See you in your boots. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The multiverse theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. Natural Toonie. A Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah.